Hey, good morning. It's great to see everybody here this morning. Thanks for joining us on this holiday weekend. And, and welcome, a special welcome to the kids in the room. It's a family worship Sunday. We've got some in here that aren't typically in here, so welcome and glad to have you with us. Would you stand on your feet? We're going to uh, celebrate the Lord and what he's done this morning. Sing with us. the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king of love all kings who brings the whole with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in all in wonder the king of
beautiful. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Sing it again. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. You can be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Tyler Rank. I serve as one of the elders here at LAFC, and it's it's great to gather and be with all of you in the house of the Lord this morning, and especially to the kids out there. Um, welcome. Glad that you can be worshiping with us. So we just sang about our uh, our deliverance and amazing grace, and so in that spirit of thankfulness, uh, we get to share in communion this morning. And so. Um, I would like to, you know, invite you, if you, if you believe in Jesus, if you have um, recognized your, your need for him and asked him to be Lord of your life, then you're welcome to, to join us, even if, if this is not your home church. So if anyone did not grab um, a cup um, or the bread on the way in here, uh, just raise your hand and the ushers will be glad to, to get you one. So why do we do communion? Well, to start, it's out of obedience to Christ's command. He told us to, to do this. But the purpose is to, to remind us and to remember. And um, I think particularly in this, this back-to-school season, um, any kids out there, you're probably realizing that there's some things from last year that you don't remember. And it's because you went a whole summer without thinking about math. And and that's really uh, what we're talking about here on a much more important level of, of what's front and center, what's in, in front of us. We want to take the time to pause, to, to reflect, to remember, remember the truth um, and what, what Christ has, has done for us. So I want to read from, from Hebrews uh, chapter 9 and verse 14. So in this passage, uh, it's about Jesus as our high priest, talking about the, the sacrificial system and where blood was, was required as a temporary coverage for sin. So starting in verse 14, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So this is the good news of the gospel, that, that Jesus died, he paid the price for our sins, and set us free. And then our response that we may serve the living God. And so with that, I'd like to give an opportunity here just to, um, just to pause, to reflect. And as we prepare our hearts and our, our minds for communion, I would encourage you to confess sins, um, to thank Jesus for his work on the cross. Um, and then 
we'll take a few minutes and then um, I'll give further instructions. Lord, forgive us for, for how often we, we lose sight of what matters. And Lord, we, we fall so short of your holiness. And Jesus, you laid down your life that I would be set free. And we cannot thank you enough. We thank you for your, for your amazing grace, for your unfailing love. Lord, you are worthy of everything that we have to give, and we praise you because you did conquer the grave. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we prepare to, to take together, uh, I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's drink the cup together. Father, thank you for making a way for us to be reconciled to you. Thank you that we have the hope of eternal life with you, and it's only by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we confess that we have, we have nothing that we can bring on our own. We're nothing without you, and we could not do this on, on our own. So thank you. Thank you for, for making a way for us. We give you our hearts. We give you our lives to serve you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I want to conclude this time by actually turning back to, back to Hebrews, because I love what, what comes next. It's how do, we, how do we respond to the grace that we've been, been given? So picking up in verse, uh, verse 19 of chapter 10, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place 
by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Amen. We're just going to stay in a place of um, meditation and reflection. Prayerfulness. As we sing this next song, I would just invite you to stay seated. But I'd invite you to, as you feel led, to sing along with us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You said. my Savior you rescued me thank you Jesus thank you Jesus you set me free Christ my express our gratitude for what Jesus has done in our worship and our singing as we take the elements together in fellowship.
It's another way that we express our gratitude and our worship is through our giving. And there's a lot of different ways that you can be giving throughout the week. I believe the ways that you can do that are going to be on the screen behind me. But I would encourage you as you, as you give to be doing that as an act of worship in response to what Jesus has done, in gratitude, in trust that he is good. As we continue, Matt, uh, Pastor Matt Sawad is going to be coming in a little bit to wrap up our series in Hebrews. Or not Hebrews. Proverbs. We've been in Proverbs for a while. Uh, so Matt's coming to wrap up our series in Proverbs this morning. And we're going to be um, looking at our hearts. So as we think about how we want to prepare our hearts for that and this next song we're going to be uh, committing our hearts to the Lord and, and asking him to speak into our heart condition our hearts to to receive from him what he has for us so I'd invite you to stand and join us as we sing
quiet of this moment, speak to us. May the distractions that often drown out your voice be silenced. May we hear from you. We trust that you are close to us and that you love us because that is who you are. You are love. So I pray as Matt comes and shares the wisdom that is found in the words of Proverbs 4, that our hearts would be listening to what you would have us hear. It's in the precious name of your son, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever felt lost? Paralyzed by the twists and turns, the decisions and deadlines ahead of you? Have you paused before making a big decision, prayed that the correct path, the wise path, would be easy to see? If you've ever chosen the wrong path, you probably still live with regret after seeing where you ended up. There's a different way, a straighter path, but it's not found in our own understanding. Let the wise listen. Let the lost receive guidance. The wisdom of God is available to all. Are you listening? Good morning. It is, it is a, an honor to be here with you this morning. My name is Matt Sawada. I'm one of the, the pastors here on staff. And uh, I love, love this aspect of my role, getting to open God's word with you today. So thank you for joining us. Um, I have got some friends with Bibles. If you happen to leave one at home, uh, if you maybe don't have one or need one, just raise your hand. These, these ushers would love to, to pass a Bible to you. We will be in Proverbs chapter four this morning. And so please grab one. If you'd rather use your phone, uh, just turn to the version app, Y-O-U version Bible app. Go to the events tab. You can find LEFC there. You can kind of track along with the different verses we'll be in. So, you know, worship on a Sunday morning is so important Coming to a, a service like this, we are coming together with brothers and sisters, and we are proclaiming truths back to God, right? We're, we're talking about his goodness and his greatness, and in a way, you've already preached a sermon to the people sitting next to you. Whether that was a pleasing sound or not, you've already preached it. And this morning is even a little bit more special because our family includes a generation that typically isn't with us. And so, kids, I am glad that you're here. If, if you're a kid in the room, would you just please, uh, on the count of three, just holler, uh, hi, Matt, ready, one, two, three? Hi. <laughs> hi, guys. Let's do that one more time. I want a little bit more oomph in that. Ready, one, two, three. Hi, Wonderful. Someone really got into it. I heard a couple, you guys, foamers up there too. But, you know, I'm glad that you're with us. Uh, this, this is so good to worship, not only as just a spiritual family, but to be with broader physical families as well. Uh, I've got a challenge for you, kids, all right? I double dog dare you to do this. Uh, this morning, 
we are, are going to be looking at Proverbs 4. And specifically in Proverbs 4, we're going to be in uh, 20 through 27. And 23 is the, the key. And it's, we're going to be speaking about the heart this morning. Would you please count the number of times I say the word heart? I'm already at two. All right? And so count the number of times I say heart, three. And just keep your tick marks on your sheet. Come up to me afterwards. You have to count them, though. I'm not doing your counting. You count up the tick marks and let me know how many I get. How many times I say the word heart? Four. Okay? So uh, please do that. I would, would love to know. I'm curious to see if I say it more this service than I did last service. Uh, uh, this, these last eight weeks, uh, we have been uh, in the book of Proverbs. I heard Ross is wanting us to be in Hebrews. We've been in Proverbs. And we have, have spent eight weeks digging into this book of wisdom. Each of us who have spoken were tasked with the, the, the challenge to, to preach on one proverb that has been significant in our lives. It's been significant. It's easier said than done. Because as you read through Proverbs, there's, there have been several of these that it's like, well, I could... Maybe, Lord, is this? Maybe, Lord. But as I was doing a reread through Proverbs, the end of Proverbs 4 really pinged. It really got my attention. And so, so this morning, Proverbs 4, we're going to look at verses 20 through 27, and we're specifically going to, to focus on our hearts. So read with me. Oh, let me read to you at verses 20 and 21. We'll get in there. Uh, Solomon gives us a little context I think, for the, the last couple verses of this chapter. So this is Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. So in these two verses, Solomon has given us some context. You'll notice at the beginning of verse 20, he mentions uh, two words, my son. My son. You gotta ask, okay, why, why are you doing that? Well, the book of Proverbs is a wisdom book written from Solomon to his son. This is a wisdom drip that's happening here. And this is repeated quite often throughout the book. My son, my son, my son. And you're gonna notice here in verses 20 and 21 that he, in different ways, four different ways, says the same thing. See if you can catch what he's trying to say. My son, pay attention to what I say. My son, turn your ear to my words. My son, do not let them out of your sight. My son, keep them within your heart. So what's he repeating here? He's saying, pay attention. My son, please listen to this. Pay attention. You know, as a parent of teenagers, I can relate to Solomon, right? Pay attention. Solomon's trying to drip some wisdom. And the question we've got to ask is, okay, Solomon, I get it. You're talking to your son. You want them to pay attention. But why? Why do we want to pay attention? Verse 22. Solomon then says, for they, for these words, for this wisdom, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So why do we listen? Because they are life and health. 
They are life. They are purpose. They are direction. This is vitality. So why listen? Because it's purpose. It gives us a, a, our next steps. And they are health. A different version says, they are a balm to your soul. So Solomon is saying, son, listen to this wisdom because it's life, it is purpose, it is direction, and it is health, it is hope. It is, it is this potential. And so he is trying to pass this wisdom on to your son, to his son, and then to us. So next question you gotta be asking, I get it. Solomon's writing to his boy. He wants him to pay attention. These are important because it is life and health. Okay, Solomon, what's the wisdom? Tell me what you are about to say. Let me read 23 through 27, Proverbs 4. He says this, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So he gives us five verses here that to me have been pretty life-giving. These verses, you know, have been not just a core conviction for Matt, but a significant ministry concept in which I've seen play out over the years. You know, in my years in, in full-time ministry, uh, I've, I've been so blessed. As pastors, I've said this often, as pastors, we get to, to wade into not only the best days of people's life, but we're often present in the worst, right? As pastors and as brothers and sisters, you're probably there too. I'm not alone in this, right? I, I've been there on the, the celebratory side, right? We, we've officiated weddings. I have to write up there, last wedding I did, yep. I've officiated weddings, I've been there for the baptisms and the salvations and the births. And those are, those are the highlights in life. I've also been there in some of the harder moments. I've gotten to step in and officiate funerals and work with a family grieving over loss. I've entered into relational struggles. I've entered into addiction issues, whether it's substance or images, pornography. You know, working through grief, anger, anxiety. You know, these are the things that, that we get to do. So first of all, thank you for letting us in. I encourage you to, to allow more people in into those moments. You know, over the last 20 years, and 11 years here, I, I have needed you. You've been present on some of the great days in my life I've needed you on some of the harder ones. I've needed to turn to you for wisdom, for guidance. I've needed to ask for forgiveness. And, and in many cases, for accountability. I, you have been a source of correction for me. I, I'm just in the same spot as you guys are trying to figure this out. You know, and so in these circumstances, 
of, of someone actually seeking help, what's the easiest advice to give? The easiest advice, I think, is to try to help them fix it. Right, you with me? If someone is hurting, you wanna help alleviate that hurt and you wanna drip comfort into that. I wanna step in and I wanna give them the golden nugget of truth. I wanna put the last puzzle piece into the puzzle for them so that their puzzle is done and they can now move on. And I would imagine you wanna do the same. You wanna help someone move past whatever they are going through. And that advice typically comes in the form or fashion of, hey, try harder. It comes in the form of do more. It comes in the form of, of maybe do this or don't do that, unplug this, read that. It comes in the form of put this phone away and get a flip phone. Probably advice more of us should listen to. Right, if it isn't that advice, I'm gonna give you a book. Hey, read this. Tell me what you think. The, the problem is, while this is really, really helpful advice in certain circumstances, unfortunately, it stops at the superficial layer. Right, this advice is, is encouraging behavior modification. And it's connotating that, that you can fix yourself. It's basically me saying, hey, if you do this, you'll get better on your own. And in those moments, that advice is not pointing you back to Christ. It's creating a new law. It's creating a Pharisaic mentality. I'm trying to train you to do better, not rest in Jesus. So this is the message of Proverbs 4 not to do more. The message of Proverbs 4 is not about the outward life, it's about the inner person. Proverbs 4, in particular 23, is encouraging us that this advice needs to, to be about the heart. And it's, it's about the heart where, where is our heart residing? Where is it resting and finding confidence? And that's not in what we do, it's in who we're turning to. Proverbs 4, 23, in the NIV says this, above all else, guard your heart for from it, for everything you do flows from it. Sorry, too many versions. The ESV says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The NASB, the New American Standard Bible, says, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. You're seeing a theme here. Watch, keep, guard with all diligence, which all, with all diligence. And we need to do this above all else, for from it flows life. So when I say the word heart, what's the, what are some of the first things you think of? When I say heart, what comes to mind? If you're anything like me, uh, I think of a shape, right? Kids, can you make a heart? You got a heart? I think of a shape. And when I think of it, actually my shape comes in the form of candy. <laughs> right, anyone else there with me? Yep, I'm thinking, I'm thinking chocolate hearts at Valentine's Day. 
I'm thinking uh, those little Valentines, it's just pure sugar, it says be mine, right? Or, or kiss me, right? Those little Valentine's Day hearts. Some of you might be thinking of an emoji, right? You might be thinking of, of this is a, the, the emoji sending a heart, kiss, whatever that is, I don't know. I like to send the ones with the, the eyes as hearts to my wife. Say, hey, I love you. I see love when I think of you, Robin, right? Maybe, I don't know what that's saying. Some of you might not be thinking with your stomachs or with your, uh, tech, like your, your texting. Some of you are probably medical in the room. When I say the word heart, you think of a heart, <laughs> right? Here's, this, here's this, this pump in our bodies that is pumping blood in and out, and without it, we're, we're not here, probably. Well, definitely, we're not here. So if you're not thinking medically about this, some of you might be thinking, when you said the word heart, I thought of an emotion. I thought of love. I thought of a feeling. And this is, a, this, this is something that happens between two people or a person in a, a, a thing, like I love steak, you can love other things. Some of you musicians out there, you, you might have thought of a song. I apologize for this, it's gonna be in your head all day. Right, you might have thought of a country song like Achy Breaky Heart. I know, I don't like country and that's the song that came to mind when I thought of this. I might just think you'd understand. <laughs> you know, so continue with the musicians, right? <laughs> you thought of a, a, you know, a, a simple worship song that might be creating me a clean heart. A song we sang over our kids every night as they went to bed. Some of you scholars out there might have thought of a verse Right, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Others of you might have thought of the sign in grandma's house that said, home is where the heart is. What did you think of when I said the word heart? You see, these are great examples of how we see the heart in today's culture. Oftentimes, in today's culture, when we say the word heart, we're probably thinking of an emotion. We're thinking of this place where emotions, where that ooey gooey stuff comes from, right? This, all the feels. But before we can talk about Proverbs 4 and how you can guard, keep, and watch your heart, I think we need to understand what the Bible means when it says heart. You see, when in scripture, and actually depending on your version, uh, it's, I think there's over a thousand times the word heart is used in, in, this, in the word. In Proverbs, it has almost about 90 of them. There's about 100 times Proverbs uses the word heart. A tenth of the times is found in this book. The word translated as heart in English Bibles extends beyond feelings and emotions, beyond the ooey-gooey feels, right? It includes that, but it also is, is referencing our mind, our intellect, our will, who we are. To a Hebrew, the heart is the center of everything, right? It's, the heart is referring to our internal command center. And the, the, the problem with this, while well, well, that's great, our heart is everything who we are, the problem is that we all have heart trouble. You do and I do, and so do you. But the problem is, is that and one commentator says this, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. 
It's so much so that in Genesis 6, God wipes out a civilization because of their evil thoughts, their evil hearts. He wipes them out. He drops a flood on them or up and then hits them. Genesis 6. Jeremiah 17.9 says something similar. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Let's fast forward to one of the gospels, Matthew, the author of one of these four historical books in the New Testament, gives us a picture of how significant it is. And he says in chapter 15, 18 and 19, he says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Friends, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. We're still having the same problem that they had in Noah's day in Genesis 6. We're still having the same problem that they had in Jeremiah's day in Jeremiah 17. We're still having the same problem as Matthew had when Jesus' words, right, in Matthew 15. Today is no different. If our hearts are born this way, if this is indicative of who we are, we need, to, we need to check the advice that we're giving in these hard moments. Because if I'm meeting with you and all I do is tell you to change and be different, that's a Band-Aid on a broken bone. That's not actually helpful advice. So, Solomon continues, and here's some examples of the advice that we've maybe either received or given. Verses 24 through 27, note the advice. There's seven different pieces of advice here. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes always look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and, the stead and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot far from evil. And if you counted them, that's seven. There's seven. seven. Seven pieces of advice. Seven pieces of advice that Solomon is saying, this, this is good advice. These are things we should do. Can you think of how different our lives would have been if we had followed those perfectly? If we had actually watched everything that we said? If we actually had done the right things, right? Been intentional about our actions and then corrected our gaze. See, this is great advice. However, again, it falls short. It doesn't speak to where our heart is and who our heart is resting in. It's just telling us what to do. But what this advice does do in these verses, I'm not saying Solomon shouldn't have included it, I think it's really helpful because these seven pieces of advice are indicators in terms of where our hearts actually are. They're the warning lights on our car dashboard Tire pressure issues. Check your transmission. You're low on gas. 
These are indicators of a deeper problem. And so, for instance, these litmus tests, what are you speaking? How are you speaking? That is a litmus test for something going on inside your ribcage. Or maybe it's, what are, where are you going or what are you doing? What are you prioritizing or spending time on? The hours you can spend scrolling. What, what, what are you, why are you doing that? You begin to ask the why. That's a glimpse. It's a lens into something deeper in your hearts. Or what are you, what are you gazing at? What are you looking at or longing for? Have you ever asked that question, why? Again, seven things are indicators as to how our heart is doing. Matthew 6, 21 tells us that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I've been meeting with a a couple guys for prayer and accountability every Tuesday morning for the last five or six years. And it's been highlight of my week, some weeks. Some weeks it's been the worst meeting of my week, depending on what we get to share, right? Every, every week we each answer, in some version or another, I'm asked, Matt, how's your heart been these last few days? How's your heart? Typical answers. Um, my heart Hey guys, I need to tell you my heart has been actually hard these last few weeks, last few days. And, and in that moment of me saying my heart has been hard, it probably comes into the, I've, I've kind of been a jerk and I haven't been considerate to anyone else. Or maybe I would answer the question, Matt, how's your heart? Uh, I might say, my heart's been really distracted. I focused on way too many other things than than what's actually important. Maybe my answer in certain weeks, it's been my heart's been pretty apathetic. Could care less. I know what I didn't do and I don't really care. On other mornings, I, I might answer, you know, my heart's been really soft. Praise the Lord, I've spent intimate time with Jesus these last few days. Right, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to help each other navigate the, the, the journey of our, of our days and where our heart has been in the midst of that time. You know, for instance, one of my friends, my Tuesday morning guys, as I was prepping this sermon, uh, texted and said, how's it going? Praying for you. And this was my response. I said, hey, thanks for asking. I've been struggling with insecurity My heart is worried about what people are gonna think about such a simple sermon. And my brother responded with this. He said, Matt, I thank God for you as you are his chosen, holy, and beloved. He has declared that you are his chosen, holy, and beloved because of Christ in whom you are justified. May the peace of Christ guard your heart in Christ Jesus for he is your strength in your weakness. Your sermon just became real to me. So please, God, be glorified in the midst of it. 
Right, you see the difference of advice? He didn't say, Matt, turn off your phone and get to work. He didn't say, Matt, you, oh man, you better prep some more. No, he brought me to the person who actually can carry the burden of my insecurity. He pointed me back to Christ and encouraged me to rest in the one who I should rest in. That, that's why Proverbs 4.23 is such a key verse. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It's the linchpin in these eight verses. Everything you do flows from your heart. It is the source of all your behavior that comes from this one spot. Matthew 12, 35 says, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So if you're anything like me, you should be asking a question right now, right? You say, okay, I get it. My heart is dirty and it's deceptive above all things. I, I get it. Thanks, madam, a sinner. Be encouraged. Here's the question we should be asking. How do I guard, watch, and keep my heart that's been deceptive from day one? What does it actually look like it's actually not something you do. It's who you rest in. Yes, sir. Right? It's not about an action. It's about a person. And his name is Jesus. Yes. Uh, the first thing I would just encourage is we need to acknowledge our heart problem. That's why I took 20 minutes to discuss what our problem is with our heart. Guarding or keeping our hearts, Proverbs 4.23 is not about perfection. It's not about being without sin. Praise the Lord, because if it was, we'd be in trouble. There isn't a way to avoid this sin that we're born with. As I've already said, Genesis 6, Jeremiah 17, read the first couple chapters of Romans, Romans 3 in particular. We all have a heart problem. Thankfully, God's given us a solution to this. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, it's on the screen. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You see, this heart problem Thankfully, come, there's a solution in the pers person of Jesus. This is a gift. And it's through Jesus we've been given this gift of faith. It's by grace that we've been saved, right? It's an undeserved gift of faith of this relationship. And in that relationship, we've been given a new heart and we've been blessed with his spirit. And so it's not about us fixing anything, it's about trusting in the gift we've been given, named Jesus. And that's not a once and done thing, it's not something, you know, for me it was my junior year of high school. It well, was once and done, it is once and done, but it also is a daily thing. 
And this is something that, so we not only have to just acknowledge our sin problem, we have to be aware of our need as we walk day in and day out. Guarding or keeping your heart is about this awareness. Think on this, David, right? Old Testament, King David. David was a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. And things went great with David, right? He was a little shepherd, the youngest one, anointed as the heir of Saul, served Saul for years. You know, David killed 10,000, Saul killed thousands, all the things that went back and forth. Eventually, David becomes king, and Israel succeeds. Things are going great. Until one day, David decides to not go to battle with his buddies. Said, guys, you go, let me stay. And as he did so, right, you can begin to see where his heart going. This man after God's own heart, his heart became all about him. He was tired and lazy. Well, then he sees Bathsheba. He longs for her. They end up having a kid. He then kills Bathsheba's husband and takes her as his wife. Things aren't going great. Until 2 Samuel chapter 12, the prophet Nathan confronts David. He uses a parable about sheep and shepherds and basically says, David, you are that man. And what did David do in the midst of that? He repented. He repented. He, in that moment, was aware of his need. And he writes Psalm 51. Here's 10, 11, and 12. It says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. What did David do? He didn't trust in his charisma or his good looks. He didn't say, I'm gonna do this again. No, he turned back to the one who'd given him a new heart and said, Father, please forgive me. Friends, we need to, to not only acknowledge our brokenness, but we need to be aware of our need. And when that comes to our, the forefront, when we see it, we, we need to confess and repent that. Jesus tells us in Matthew 11, he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, perfect heart, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in the midst of those moments when our heart is exposed or it is hard or it is distracted or apathetic, we can turn to the one who has said, come to me, bring me your burden and I will carry it and you can take my yoke and I will give you rest. Friends, is your heart soft enough to be aware of your sin and your need for a savior? You know, out of this, acknowledging and being aware of our need, I think guarding and keeping our heart kind of steps in two different ways. The first is, what's your relationship with this? Is this another task? 
Is this a, a guilt trip? Like, yeah, I didn't get into that again this week. Or is this something that you're, you're looking forward to spending time in? Isaiah 66, verse two, says, these are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Friends, I see a, a direct connection, correlation between uh, the health of my heart and my relationship with his word. How about you? And secondly, these are two ways to prioritize this relationship with the one who's given us a new heart. We not only tremble and approach his word and get to know him and his character, but we spend time in prayer. That's a commonly quoted verse in Proverbs, I'm sorry, Proverbs is a different P, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is why this is important, because then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will do what? Will guard your hearts. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's his peace that actually does the guarding. We don't have to do it, it's who we rest and reside in. That's where the guarding, watching, and keeping actually happens. It's the peace of God that transcends all understanding that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So friends, I think we, a couple things here, we'll wrap up in a sec. We can't be surprised when someone sins. That shouldn't be a shocker. Parents, when your kids actually step out of line, when they do something wrong, don't be surprised. It's actually in their nature. Speak to their heart. Begin to understand the why behind their actions. Or better yet, help your child to begin to understand the why. Actually, kids, teens, believe it or not, your, your parents not only love you, but they're sinners as well. A shock to some of you, maybe. I'm sure there are times when they seem too strict or harsh. Hey, kids, would you give your parents a little bit of grace? Don't expect them to be perfect because they're not. No elbows. Kids, I'd encourage you to look past their words and try to understand the why as well. Remember, our hearts are our command central. And it's out of this center that change happens. Our eyes, our feet, and our mouth, right? Proverbs 4, 24, 5, 6, and 7. You know, we're not in the behavior modification business. That's not who we are as a church. That's not who we are as Christians. That's his job. But we do wanna see hearts change. So let me end with this charge. Friends, how is your heart today? Is your heart too hard to receive this nudge? Is your heart soft enough to hear this truth? Or is your heart too apathetic to care? 
May our advice to others, and more importantly, the advice we seek and give ourselves go beyond the surface and encourage life-giving heart change through Jesus, the one who offers rest and promises to carry the burdens we can't handle on our own. Amen? we consider how to respond to this, what we've just received. I don't know how you walked in here today if you felt like your heart was secure in Jesus. If you felt, if you honestly feel like your heart's been wandering, it might be a difficult thing to, to stand up with us and sing, Lord, my heart is yours. It might feel like a, a, a dishonest thing to do. I let me encourage you, as we sing, as we commit ourselves to the Lord in response to what we just received, even if your heart hasn't been there, in, the, in that place, recommit yourself today. Make this your prayer. Let's commit our hearts to the Lord. Would you stand and join us as we sing?
your heart above all else for from it flows all things this morning we talked about uh, two different things the need for repentance I'd encourage you today to to process that right we we took communion we were reminded of what Christ has done for us as our mediator on our behalf Hebrews 9 Bring what you're struggling with to him. Confess it, repent it. If you need a friend to do that with, I think this is a, it can be, if appropriate, a community thing. Find someone in a life group or an ABF or someone you don't know and just say, hey, can we talk for 10 minutes? And secondly, prayer. Don't leave today without uh, acknowledging, giving thanks to him and finding the rest that comes through the peace that God gives us through his spirit. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I'd love to pray with you up here. We've got friends in the encounter room in the back or just someone sitting next to you. I'd encourage you, don't leave if you need to process something today. I'm gonna close out the last couple verses in the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews 13, the author encourages us with this. He says, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, 
that great shepherd of the sheep. May he, that God, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We love you. I hope you have a great day today. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, kiddos, if you did count, I'd love to know how many times I said the word heart. Have a great day today.